This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. We're continuing the series on the Christ-centered life. And uh, I love that image. Like, yes! Joy! Unburdened! Unburdened! Imagine... Not only, not only um, experiencing that over December. What if you and I could continuously right through the year have that kind of feeling? Joy, peace, faith, unburdened, a song in your heart and a, a skip in your step. I believe that is possible. And that's what I want to share about today, how you and I can be unburdened. Uh, Who would like to be unburdened? (sighs) Absolutely. And I believe we can. The, The word of God gives us keys to live an unburdened life, full of joy, full of peace, full of freedom. So to quickly recap what we've been speaking about, here's a diagram of a circle, the light blue circle. That is like the representing the kingdom of God. Outside the light blue circle, the dark blue, that's like not the kingdom of light. That's like the kingdom of darkness. And so what happens is when you and I, when we originally, when we start off, we're all in the kingdom of darkness and we're strolling around having no idea what we're doing, where we're going. And then when you find Jesus, you transition into that light blue circle on the inside. But now you want to move to the center because that is where the Christ-centered life happens. There, right at the center, is where you experience an open heavens. Right at the center is where you experience joy unspeakable. Right at the center, you experience peace, and you find yourself unburdened, unburdened. But there's this process, like you, uh, many people are, you you be a believer, you're in the kingdom, but you're there on the fringes, and so you feel burdened. You're carrying these burdens and then things happen. Life happens. Pressure comes your way. And then you have like there where that little cross is. Then you have to like decide, what are you going to do? You're freaking out. You're feeling overwhelmed. There's so much you need to do. What are you going to, how are you going to handle that? Well, some just run out and spin out and I'm going to do it in my own ability. And you try to just do it in your own, own strength, own ability. And you just spin some more and you burden more. And then there's another way when you move to the center, when you allow that pressure and the burdens to actually move you into the presence of God. We spoke about that two weeks ago, that pressure can is actually an opportunity to catapult you into the presence of God. So how do you handle pressure? How do you, how do you respond to when the pressure is on, they're just like, oh, I'm just going to do it in my own ability. And you just keep on trying, but you're burdened, you lose your joy, you lose your peace, and you're like, oh, this isn't fun. Or do you stop and you make some time for God, you come and sit at his feet, and you find the place where you unburden your soul and you and you find your joy and your peace, and then you live from the power of God, okay? So that you need to move to that centered spot. So I want to share with you how you can live an unburdened life 
and how you can move to the center. Okay, so I'm going to give you three keys. So what happens is that we have these lids upon our lives that keep us from moving to that centered spate, that centered spot. And it's wrong mindsets, bad habits, sometimes spiritual blocks. So we're going to address three things. How you can get a healthy habit, how you can have a renewed mindset, and how you can remove some spiritual blocks of your life. So in um, um, uh, two weeks ago, I shared a little bit about um, how we've been pursuing the cloud. So if you're new here today, we are pursuing revival. We're pursuing the tangible presence of God. And that's why we like with, with worship time, we just, we're just stepping up. We're just, we're just following the cloud. We're just following the cloud. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but we're just following the cloud. And because uh, we love his presence, we want God in the house. We don't just want religion. We want him. And so then you have to step out. And so I shared two weeks ago um, that we went to, we were following the cloud to India. And uh, on our way back, the Lord spoke to, to me to go to Argentina. And from Argentina, we moved to, went to Brazil tw- twice. Had incredible things and doors that God opened in Brazil. So when we went to Argentina in 2015, um, Brother Rion uh, he, he, he was, he went along and he was on the, the team manager. And, uh, and so when I travel, I'm very focused. So I had this money bag under my clothes. And so Rion, bless your heart, brother, joked with me. He called it my sissy bag. I'm like, no one calls me a sissy. <laughs> he called it my sissy bag. So you know, after an incredible week of ministry, uh, we were at the airport in Buenos Aires. Our bags were checked in. We we're going to fly back to South Africa. And we were sitting just outside security. We were just sitting at uh, in the coffee shop there. And we were laughing about everything God has been doing. And I was like, no one calls me a sissy. So I took my money bag off with my passport and everything in it. And I put it into my backpack. And I put the backpack next to my Leg there, we were sitting at this table, and I put it down, and we were like laughing about everything God had been doing. About a minute in, I felt something's wrong, and I looked down, and it was gone. They stole my bag. I, it was one of the worst moments of my life. I like jumped up, like on the inside, we were like ah, running around, trying to find the thief that took my passport. And my everything. And as I'm running around there on the airport and I'm like, God, I'm like, Lord, why don't you speak to me? Why don't you tell me, hold on to the bag? Because you've been telling me the whole week, incredible words of knowledge and prophecy and miracles. Things. I mean, I'm like, Lord, why don't you tell me, just hold on to the bag? Don't listen to the sissy jokes. Hold on to the bag. <laughs> oh, so I was like, one of the worst moments of my life. I cannot, I cannot describe what was happening. I was flipping somersaults on the inside. And, uh, and I, God, what, what are you doing? And, uh, and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me on the inside, I have a plan. And my response was, this plan sucks. Absolutely sucks. I am not, I'm not enjoying this. I immediately felt terrible. I had this, pain on my stomach and I was like feeling oppressed by the enemy and the Lord spoke to me and the team left one lady stayed behind but the team left and uh, 
And, and that afternoon as I was praying and I, I was just lying in the back of a car just praying, but I felt tormented. And uh, I remember the, the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, I need to set you and Sonica free from fear. Otherwise, I cannot use you. I cannot use you. And so I had the spirit of fear in my life and I didn't realize it. I just thought of the circumstances or things happening. And that's what I'm feeling at times anxious or afraid. And I was in the ministry for like 13 years at that stage or more even. 13 years in full-time ministry. And I had a spirit of fear tormenting me. And so... Stayed behind, didn't know I'm going to get back into South Africa. And so that night around 11 o'clock back at the pastor's house in Buenos Aires. And at some point I just heard a voice telling me, now I'm going to torment you. I'm like, oh no, this is terrible. Then I'm going to get back into South Africa. And I'm like, this is, I'm in the room next to the pastor's room and I'm in my room alone. And so from 11 o'clock I was just praying and worshiping and seeking the face of God, I felt terrible. I'm like, I'm feeling demonically oppressed. And around three o'clock that morning, three o'clock that morning, I had one of the most profound experiences I've ever had. I was lying on the, on the bed just praying. And the next moment, I felt as if it was my spirit walking into the very throne of heaven. It was like I saw the sea of glass, which the book of Revelation speaks of. I saw the throne of God and Father God on the throne. It was glorious. And I just heard the voice of God say, now ask me to bless you. Ask me for the nations. Ask me for all those things on your heart. And I said, Lord, I pray for all those things. It was one of the most profound moments of my life because in the next few weeks, I was set free from the fear upon my life. This lid was removed of my life and God opened doors. I was changed in his presence. And as JP shared last week, a brilliant message, beautiful message he, that he shared. But sometimes when it feels like things are falling apart, things are falling into place. If you push into his presence, if you step into his presence. And so I so want to encourage you. I want to show you how to transition from that, that fringe on that diagram, that circle, from the fringe into that centered place. The truth is probably 90% of us here today have some form of lid upon our lives. Either wrong mindset wrong habits, or a spiritual block, keeping you from pressing, stepping into the presence of God. And that's good news, because we can change it. With God's help, we can be set free. And when we experience these lids, we often then we pull back, we hold back, we, we, we don't step out because of these things inhibiting us. And I just know God is wanting to set us free. So I'm trusting this morning that you are going to be set free. Okay, so let's look at wrong mindset, bad habits, spiritual block. We're going to look at each one of those. And if you want to summarize how you move from the edge to the center, it is this. Consume the word of God until it consumes you. 
Consume the word of God, fill your heart and mind and mouth with his word until it consumes you and moves you into the will of God where he sets you free. Consume the word until it consumes you. So Joshua 1 verse 8, we ended here two weeks ago. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I love this. Because it says, you're not a victim. It says, you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Make your way prosperous. How? Get the word in your mouth, in your heart, and in your actions. That is how you're going to move. That's how you're going to make your way prosperous. And I love how it says, and and you will have good success. Good success. What is good success? Good success means to me that you have success. And sometimes success, God's definition of success, people's definition of success is, is usually different. But you can have success. Your business can flourish. Your family Things can be, you, you can achieve your, your, the dreams of your heart and it's going to be good for you. In other words, you didn't achieve your business success, but it cost you your marriage. It cost you your relationships with your kids. It cost you so many. So you have success, but it's not good. You have success, but it cost you. You, you, you sacrificed these things on the altar of success. No, it is good success. It is success that is Blesses you and those around you. But how? Through the word in your mouth, heart, and actions. So I want to show this to you, the triad of tools. I call it the triad of tools. It's an extremely mathematical series that we are doing. We now have a triangle. We had a circle, now we have a triangle. Speak, think, and do. The word of God. If you position yourself within that triangle where you're continuously speaking the word, thinking the word, and doing the word, it's going to move you into the center. You see on the next slide, you have the, a smaller triangle. As that triangle, if you stay within it, it's going to move you from the fringe into the presence of God. Consume the word until it consumes you. Consume the word until faith is unlocked, until joy is restored, until it like burns away those things that are inhibiting you and you can move into the presence of God where ultimately freedom, where you will find true freedom. Okay, so the first thing, you need a new habit. What is that new habit? If you want to remove the lid, it's called time. It's said in that, in that verse, Meditating upon this word day and night. What do I mean? Time. You need to give God time. You need to give him time. If you don't give him time, he can't do what he wants to do in your life. If the enemy can't get you into sin, he will, he's going to keep you busy. One of the biggest tricks I think now, right now in our, in, in our society, it's like after COVID and after all the lockdowns and everything, we are now running at full speed, eh? Busy, 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 busy. Running. 
But busyness will lead to dryness. Busyness will lead to dryness. So it's, it's, it's like this picture. Here's a truck. And you are burdened. You're burdened. You're carrying this weight. And you want to unburden your soul. And so you drive into the depot where you're going to now throw off these logs. And so you stop and all the attendants are coming. They're about to move these logs off your truck. And as they're about to do it, you speed off again. Yeah. I unburdened my soul. Five minutes with Jesus. No, you're still burdened. You're still chasing around. Busy, busy, busy. Because you haven't stopped for long enough to sit at his feet and to unburden your soul. You need to give him time. You need to give him time. The kingdom of God is not McDonald's. If you want like really five-star gourmet food, you don't go to McDonald's. And what do they say? Good food takes time. If you want heavenly food, if you want to be fed from heaven, you need to give the Lord time, more time than you're giving him right now. More time. You need to give more time. It's not enough just to come on a Sunday. You need to end the week, give him time, sit at his feet and say, Lord, here I am. And here I am to cast off these burdens. Here I am to cast off these things. God, I'm worried about my children. God, I'm worried about my work. I'm worried about the country. God, I'm worried about all these things. Lord, I give it to you. He's got broad shoulders. eh? God has broad shoulders. He is able to take care of all the big things. Don't try and do the big things. You do the small things. Let him do the big things. Hand it over to him. Is there anything too hard for our God? No, nothing. But then you need to come. You need to come and cast it off. You need to sit at his feet until peace is restored. Until joy is restored. Until faith is unlocked. I often experience this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm burdened. I feel there's so much happening. There's so many things I've list on my task list. It's like falling off the screen. It's like it's going all the way to the floor. All the things I need to do. But I know if I've lost my peace. I know if I've lost my joy, I'm just going to do stupid. So I stop. There's so many urgent things and I just stop. I close my door and I go and I pray. I close my door and I go worship Jesus. And I know it's difficult for us with a normal work kind of setup, but there are times that you can do lunch time or when you go to the bathroom or do something. Or in the morning, starting the day in the presence of God. And then when I'm filled with his presence, I have peace, I have joy, I have faith, I am more creative, I have more answers and solutions for the problems. Suddenly, I have joy. So I want to encourage you. Make time at his feet. Come on, give him time. Stop. Just stop until you can unburden your soul. Busyness will lead to dryness. Set time aside and you will be satisfied. Busyness will lead to dryness. Set time aside and you will be satisfied. It's like this picture of the guy. He's coming for a party and then he finds himself. Next picture. It's like, let's have a party. Where's the water? I want to like pool. It's like, it's just dry. There's no party happening. 
It's just because he's so busy. If you're so busy, you're just going to walk into the spiritual wilderness. You're going to walk into the spiritual desert. Busyness will lead to dryness. Busyness will lead to dryness. You have to stop. I love this. Uh, there's a revival happening in Asbury Chapel in the U.S. Uh, they would have, there's a campus where they have like a chapel three times a week and it was Wednesday morning and it was like an hour chapel from nine to 10 and it's now like what, 12 days later and it's still still going. People are flying from all over the world to be there just to worship Jesus, just to sit in his presence. You have to give him time. You have to give him time if you want to be in his presence, if you want to be unburdened, if you want to be free. So Psalm 27 verse 13, it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So it's such a powerful passage. So I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land. He's good. And I'm going to see his goodness manifest in my life. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in this thing. So what if you and I would start taking this scripture and we would put it in our mouths and we would speak it? What if you and I would speak? What is the most challenging thing that you are experiencing right now in your life? The thing that stresses you up. The thing that makes you feel burdened. Okay, think of that for a moment. And then you speak to him and say, I will see the goodness of the Lord in this thing. Come on, say it. I will see the goodness of the Lord in this thing. Because he is that good. He is that able. Is there anything Too hard for our God. No, there's nothing. But if you find yourself on the fringes of that circle, you're not going to feel it. You're not going to have faith. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have peace. And so you need to come and sit. You need to give him time. You can sit at his feet. And then you need to think upon scriptures like this. I would have lost heart, but I'm not going to lose heart. Because I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in this thing. And then you speak to it. That's why I often have you guys say this after me because I want to, I want to teach you. You need to take the word of God and you need to speak it at home. When you want to move to that center, you need to say it. I'm going to see the goodness of God in this thing. So wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Because I know sometimes when we want to come before the Lord and we want to come sit at his feet. So sometimes we're afraid because we're like, there's shame. There's guilt. Maybe there's condemnation. Maybe it's like, oh, there's so much stuff in my life and so many messes. I can't come to the Lord. I can't approach him. And so I'm going to address that as well in a moment. But it says, wait. So what do you do when you receive an email and that email upsets you? And you're you're angry and you reply and you start typing and you psych yourself up. You're having like an argument in your head. What do you do when you receive that email? You type it. And then you delete it. 
Wait! Stop! Never respond in anger, in, in irritation. When you're upset, you're not seeing clearly. Stop. Lay down that burden to the Lord. Don't send that email. Okay, that's a word for somebody. Don't send it. Don't send it. Okay, but so you need to think the truth, speak the truth, and then you need to do it, the triad of three things. So if you want to remove the lid, first thing, new habit, give the Lord time. Number two, a new mindset. What's this mindset? Humility. Humility. Matthew 11, verse 25 It says, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. The the nature of the kingdom of God is that if you think you've got this, you don't. If you think you're clever and wise and you're going to just fix these things in your own ability, you're deceived. You're going to miss out. Those who trust in themselves do not trust in God. Those who trust in themselves don't trust in God. I want to say to you, if you are not spending time at the feet of Jesus, metaphorically speaking, it is because you're trusting in yourself. It's trusting and I've got this. I can do this. Or maybe you're so guilt-ridden and shameful that you just feel you can't approach the throne of God. No. Those who think themselves wise and clever, God says, I'm not going to reveal it to them. They are not going to connect. You need a mindset of humility and for revealing them to the childlike. So there's a place of childlike faith. It's a joyful faith. Little kids, a four-year-old, are they stressing? The state of South Africa. It's a crisis, people. No, they're like, Dad. Woohoo. Dad, you take it. I'm going to go kick the ball. There's a childlike faith where we leave the big things to God. And we come and we just enjoy him. You will have more joy. You will have more peace. It doesn't mean that we don't pray for the things of the of our nation. It just means that we, we give the burdens to him. We allow him to do it and we still have joy. In the presence of the Lord, you will have fullness of joy. In his presence, fullness of joy. There's a childlike faith that manifests as joy. If you don't have joy in difficult circumstances because you're lacking childlike faith. You're not sitting at his feet until you unburden your soul. So you need to come. Come like a child. So the new mindset is humility. And also then, look at this beautiful passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Jesus said, come to me, all of you. If you're burdened. If you're weary, you're carrying heavy burdens, Jesus is saying, come. Maybe your burden is shame and guilt and condemnation. I just don't feel I'm good enough for God. He says, come. Come. So the new mindset you and I need to embrace is that you are welcome in the presence of God. You're welcome. You're welcome in the presence of God. You're welcome. 
He says, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And I know it's difficult for us at times. It's like we, we sometimes struggle to, to get a clear picture of how good God really is. And so Jesus shares this incredible story, uh, a, a parable, uh, a picture of revealing to us how good God is. And it's the story of the prodigal son. And some, some backstory is, it's like Jesus sharing about this young man, Jewish young man, that came to his dad and said, Dad, give me my inheritance. I'm, go- I'm off. He, he basically was just saying, you're dead to me, Dad, which represents God. You're dead to me. Give me my inheritance. I'm, I'm, I'm off. And so he gets his inheritance and then he leaves for years. And it says basically that he slept with, he wasted his money sleeping with prostitutes and parties for years. He just stuffed it all away. And he ended off in the pigsty with the pigs, which is like blasphemous for a Jewish boy with the pigs. That's like serious sin. He ended up there. He wasted all the money, all the resources, his whole inheritance. And then he realizes, I need to go home. I, I need to get back to my dad. And he, and he, and he went and he, and he was on his way home and he was like thinking, I'm going to tell my dad that I'm not worthy to be your son. I, I, I don't qualify. I will just be a slave in the house, a servant. I will work back for the rest of my days. This inheritance I've spent. I, I'm not worthy of you, dad. I'm not worthy. And what is the story that Jesus shares? What happens? The dad is sitting on the stoop like every afternoon looking for his boy. He's, he's watching. He's like, when is my boy going to come back? And then he sees his boy in the distance. How does the dad respond? Angry growl. Miserable, useless, pathetic. Call yourself a Jew. You wasted money. I'm so disappointed in you. All your stuff. I'm so upset with you. I'm so angry with you. You sleeping outside. Servants quarters. You, 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 you. I'm so upset with you. Mm, was that his response? No. We see this incredible story of a loving father who sees his boy approaching him from a distance. And the dad gets up and he runs to him. He runs to him. The boy that slept with the prostitutes and drank himself into a stupor and did all these terrible things and wasted his life. What does dad do? He runs to him. He runs to him. And he throws his arms around him. And look at this beautiful passage. In, in Luke 15, 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. 
I want to release this over you right now. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've failed. It doesn't matter how much you've messed up or sinned or disappointed yourself or others or you think you've disappointed God. I tell you, the moment you like, I think, I think I'm, 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 I'm coming to the, I, I want to spend time with the Father. You just like sort of just turn to the Father and He's already running towards you. He's running towards you with compassion. And love, he understands our struggles. He understands the things we're going through. And yet he loves you so much that he throws his arms around. He hugs and he kissed him. And then he says in the next verses there, we must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. If you're not having a party with God, you're missing him. You're missing him. Why, why, why should it be when we like originally come to Christ from maybe a miserable, messed up life? Why should we feel like then he embraces us and loves us and forgives us? And now that we're in this kingdom thing, we feel like we're not good enough. We must do this in our own ability. I need to first sort myself out before I can come to Jesus. No, I want to silence the voice of the enemy that is tormenting some of us with, you're not good enough, you can't come, he's angry with you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you just turn like point, you're just sort of looking in the direction of God, he's running. He's saying, come, you are welcome in the presence of God. Come on, say this with me, I am welcome in the presence of God. Amen. You need to believe it. That's how you need to think, ponder the truth. He's, he has compassion and he loves you and he wants to just hold you and help you. And he wants to take off those burdens off your heart and mind, but you have to come to him. You have to draw near to him and he's going to draw near to you. And he, and you do the 10%. He's running the other 90%. He's made a way through the blood of Jesus. We don't come by our own abilities. We come by what Jesus has done. So we need to remove that lid off our lives. And in his presence, there's going to be joy. You're going to be like, Dad, I'm here. <laughs> you see, when you want to draw near, when you want to spend time with God, you, you can't just be passive. You have to be active in the word of God. You need to say, you need to speak it. You need to say, God is your favorite son. I'm here. Amen. His favorite daughter. God's love is so massive that every one of us can be his favorite. Then ask any parent. You're like, you love your first one so much. Second one comes like, whoa, I've got more capacity. I love this one as well. Our God's heart is massive. He can love every one of us as his favorite. Come on, say it. I'm God's favorite. Favorite, come on. See, you need to lead your heart. You need to lead your mind. You need to speak it. The word of God must not leave your mouth. Engage with it actively. Don't be passive. Draw near. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm a humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know how we normally respond when life is busy? There's so much happening. 
So what do we do? We stay at home. We do nothing. Jesus is saying the opposite here. Do you know what it is to take up a yoke? It's like two oxen and with this wooden beam over their backs. Jesus is saying, come and yoke with me. I would say, but, but Lord, the aircon is in the house. I don't want to go plow outside. It's already so busy. There's so much happening, Lord. And he's saying, hey, do you want rest for your soul? It's counterintuitive. But if you want rest for your soul, you need to partner with God. You need to work with him. Because the bottom line is you're going to yoke with something. So it's either yoking with Jesus or it's yoking with the enemy. There's nothing in between. So you might think, hey, I want to just chill at home and not do much. And then I'm going to rest. No, you're not. You're not. It says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. True rest is found in working with Jesus. True rest. True rest is not found in just thinking of myself and I and me, myself, I, my family. That's not, that's where we're going to find rest. True rest is found. And when you say, God, there's so many people struggling. There's so many people bound. There's so many people struggling in their marriages or in their families or in their businesses. God, I want to partner with you. I want to see your kingdom come. And we were praying on Thursday afternoon at Nahoon Beach. And, and as we were just praying for the city and worshiping, I felt, I saw like a vision in my mind's eye. I saw a man with chains around his ankles and a chain around his heart. And the Lord said to me, this, to me, this is my church. Bound. Bound. And the Lord is saying, set my people free. Set my people free. But the beautiful thing is as we pursue his purposes, you find rest. You find yourself in his presence. So you will only find true rest. True rest is found in working with Jesus. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Easy and light. The kingdom of God in his presence, it's easy and light. So the Christ-centered life is about making his mission yours. Okay, so to summarize, if you want to remove the lid, number one, a new habit. Time. Time. You need to give him time. Number two, new mindset, humility, and you're welcome in his presence. And then thirdly, breaking the spiritual block. How do you do it? Fasting. It's a tool the Lord gives us. Fasting. So on the next picture, you see this beautiful plate of food. Mm. Do you see it? It's a meal from the throne of heaven. Feeding your soul, feeding your spirit, in giving you rest like few other things. Are you feel burdened? Fast. Cast off that burden. Fasting is a powerful spiritual discipline. It's a tool, a weapon God has given to us to draw near to him. And so when you like, you give that meal to the Lord and you pray, you spend time with him, something beautiful happens. There are few things as powerful as fasting to prepare yourself, to make you desperate for God. It's like it, it helps you to push through every wall. It's like, Lord, please, I need you. I need you. I need you. Look at this verse, Isaiah 58, verse 6. It says, is this not the fast that I've chosen? 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to break those chains, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. This speaks of ungodly yokes and burdens. And I tell you, when we start fasting and praying, not just for us, but for others, you find rest. You find yourself in the presence of God. Partner with what the Lord is doing. Fasting is so, so special, so powerful. And so as a church, we're going to fast together. Open heavens fast. The 2nd to the 5th of March. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then communion Sunday morning here as we break the fast. Yes. Imagine for a moment if we as a church community were together yoke with Jesus and we, despite our busyness, despite our schedules, despite our own priorities, we make his priority our priority. Lord, we are trusting you for revival in the city. We are trusting you for the kingdom of God to come. What if we would pray together and fast? What if, what if? Hundreds upon hundreds of people would find Christ because of your prayers and my prayers and your fasting and my fasting. This Thursday at 5.30, calling all the Ganubians. We're going to be praying in Ganubi at the Ganubi Hotel. They're in that parking lot. We're going to be worshiping Jesus. Calling all the Ganubians and everybody else that feels like driving an incredibly far distance. It feels like driving to PE when you drive to Kanubi. <laughs> Join us Thursday, 5.30 for an hour of just worshiping Jesus and releasing the presence of God over Kanubi and over our city. What if you and I would just sit, lay aside our own priorities and say, Lord, we want to yoke with you. We want to partner with you. We want to see your kingdom come, Jesus. We want to be seeing hundreds upon hundreds of people finding Jesus. Do you remember when you met Jesus? Somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for me. I remember my grandmother when I was a very, very naughty young boy. I remember she would kneel next to her bed at night and I know she was praying for me because I was so naughty and at the age of 18 somebody led me to Christ guys I want to hold this before prayer is powerful living in the presence of God is powerful fasting is powerful and you find rest for your soul but what if our prayers our fasting would cause Hundreds, because I believe that's what God wants to do. Hundreds of people to find Jesus in this city. I really believe this. This is what is available to us. But we need to, we need to step out. So very quickly, just fasting, practical, four things. Number one, start small. Just say, I'm going to skip that chocolate, that lunch. Start small. Help your body to adapt. Number two, skip a meal. Just one day. Skip one meal. Lunchtime or evening. Skip one meal instead of that you pray. You're going to find your body adapting. Number three, then eat only say fruit and vegetables for the day or drink some juice because you know your body's getting used to it. And then move to water only. I'm so psyched because we have this weekend, we're in Cape Town for a revive weekend. Nine of us are going 
And we're going to fast this, this week for three days on water. And it's powerful. I tell you, when you do water only, there's a shift. It just takes you into another dimension, but your body needs to prepare. And so the good news is you're not going to die. Do you know how I know you're not going to die? Because you have fat. You have fat. Your body is designed that when you're not eating normally, it switches to feed on the fat. Oh, when you get excited about that, oh, you're like, yeah, while you're fasting, feed on the fat, feed on the fat. It's wonderful. Your body is designed like that. You can. And, and, and what happens? We're like, oh, I'm so hungry. It's not hunger pains. It's habit pains. You're so used to eating three times a day. If you were fasting for 40 days on water, maybe at day 40, that would be hunger pain. Okay? It's just habit. It's just habit. Hunger is a hormone. It's just a hormone. Ignore it. When that wave of hunger comes, drink some water and just let it pass. And feed on the fat. It's beautiful. Okay, it's really powerful, but you want to prepare your body. So prepare yourself before those three days. Maybe just do a Daniel fast if you don't want to like do water only, but challenge yourself to cast off the burdens and let's pray for our city. Let's pray for the city. Let's unburden our souls and see the kingdom of God come in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.